Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Avatar sees life at the top once again. It's time for our annual pitch meeting. And who is the worst of the worst at the Razzies? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at Pop Culture Cosmos including our awesome Twitch page, which we're on right now, live and in living kind of live-ish color. Lag, laggish yeah, color. Lag, yeah, laggish color, because we're, we're lagging a little bit, but we'll get that fixed up for next time. And catch all of our stuff on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, anything that we do here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. It is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend, He's our own Razzie Award winner of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. Also, as well, check out his awesome book, Congratulations, You Suck, which you can go ahead and get right now at Barnes & Noble or Amazon. Plus, also check out his great shows, Topicocalypse and the Super BS Gamescast. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What's going on? It's just a fine, gloomy Sunday here in Texas, and I am excited to talk some pop culture. I'm sorry, I was thinking about this just open used bookstore in the mall next to us. It has all these like used DVDs, so I'm like discovering all these pop culture things that I've completely forgotten about over the years. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, I've been pretty excited about it. They got like DVDs, movies, video games, comic books. So it's 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 my kind of place, you know. Sounds like it. Hey, I wanted to ask you real quick before we get into the show and I announce all that good stuff that we're going to be listening to today. Your thoughts quickly on finally the Xbox and Bethesda Love Fest. They just dropped 20 Bethesda titles from the past onto the Xbox Games Pass. I know something that Marcus and I talked about at length on the Friday show, PC Multiverse. So if you want to hear more on that, please check that out. But I wanted to hear your thoughts on Xbox and Bethesda. So this is a long time coming. Like they just, they finally got the deal in ink and it's official. And we just got a, you know, they showed this beautiful trailer that had uh, little snippets of everything that's gone by and like reasons, you know, what this merger means. 
And uh, I actually just downloaded Morrowind or Morrowind through the um, Games Pass. So I'm excited to jump back into that when I get a chance. This is a big deal. Um, this is everyone keeps talking about how like the head of Xbox, Phil Spencer, had been saying that like, hey, you know, never say never with uh, exclusivity. But it sounds like he's only from what I'm gathering from his, you know, this little video and what he said in interviews is that they're honoring the exclusivity deals that are currently in place, but there's no guarantee that things coming out are going multiple platforms, he says. He said, never say never. The reason they secured this contract was for Xbox customers. So that's something that's kind of cool to know, and especially since like Sony, you know, look at their contracts with Square. They don't really seem to care about what gamers on other platforms want. So this is kind of a big weapon in their arsenal of stuff, and I'm excited to see what the future holds for this. As for right now, I do admire and respect the fact that they are continuing to support things on other platforms, and they have announced that during the summer gaming conference, we're going to see some big things from Bethesda, which I'm assuming are going to be Starfield and Elder Scrolls Six and whatever else they might be working on. But I would love to see like some Elder Scroll remasters hit current consoles as well as we've talked about before if they did something like elder scrolls for maybe a year exclusivity or a fallout which would probably be even better because fallout 76 was a you know was not that great and they need to recover the i guess uh, platform itself for for fallout and it would be nice if if fallout would be just an xbox exclusive per se I think that would be a better move just to get people in. I mean, you spent $7 billion on the product and you need to make some things exclusive. Yes. But you also need to make some high profile exclusives. I mean, Starfield's great and all, but I don't think it was going to bring in more customers over to Xbox from PlayStation if you just put Starfield on there as exclusive. You need to go ahead and put some of your high profile games as just exclusive products and just say, you know what, we're going to bite the bullet on whatever sales and just say, you know what? You got to come over and Xbox and play. So that's a, a very good point because this is Xbox's first like big exclusive RPG, you know, like RPG company or maker, I guess. So you look at that. Sony has notoriously singled out Final Fantasy, right? Like that's one yeah. of the biggest JRPGs, I guess if you can call it JRPG, to find popularity in the West. And they continue to do these deals time after time. And, you know, look at looking at Final Fantasy 16 that'll probably stay exclusive to PS5 and all hopes of the Final Fantasy 7 remake making it to Xbox is probably dashed now because I'm from what I understand they're renewing a lot of exclusivity contracts so I totally agree I think that it would be smart to have something like Elder Scrolls I I mean I don't necessarily know about Fallout cuz Fallout has a big PC crowd so does Elder Scrolls I guess but like Well remember everything goes it goes exclusive to Xbox goes to PC, as, PC well. as well yeah so I mean I think that if you were cuz there's all so many Elder Scrolls like look at PSVR right that was one of their first experiments with VR was through Elder Scrolls and a lot of Elder Scrolls copies have sold on the PS4 so I think that if they were to make Elder Scrolls exclusive to Xbox, they would be basically be saying like, hey, we're here and we mean business. Like we're done being this company that kind of like waits in the shadow and are nice to our enemies, but our enemies continuously like treat us poorly. I think that making Elder Scrolls exclusive would really be making a statement. I know Marcus was harping on the fact that cross-platform needs to happen. It does need to happen. It oh, needs yeah. to happen. Yeah, but it, I, as a way of bringing in uh, you know, more people to Bethesda and Xbox. But 
I don't think that would be necessarily the number one thing that would bring people over in this case. I think that you spent $7 billion on a product and you've been number two or number three in the console race now forever. Mm-hmm. If you want to ever become number one, you have to start taking bold steps. And PlayStation 5 has already taken the early lead in this console generation. And the only way to recover and surpass and ultimately pass, like we're going to talk about here in a second on a certain movie, is you got to do something out of the box. And if that's the case, you got to go ahead and make something exclusive. I think either, yeah. I think you got to choose one Fallout or Elder Scrolls and say, you know what? Got to make exclusive. Starfield, Wolfenstein, as much as I love the Wolfenstein series, I don't think any of those series outside of Fallout or Elder Scrolls will click enough with an audience to say, you know what, we got to go ahead and buy an Xbox because it's exclusive to that platform. I think that we're going to see a lot of like timed exclusivity for sure. And then I think only time will tell. I'm I feel like Elder Scrolls is probably going to be the one that they keep close to their chest. But, you know, I, I think for sure with everything Bethesda makes from this point out, except for Deathloop and all the stuff that's already contractual, we are going to see timed exclusivity, at least for the first six months of release. Well, I'll tell you what, it's another great conversation we had right here on Xbox and Bethesda. But I want to hear your thoughts out there, if you have any, on Xbox and Bethesda. Now, they're official, the partnership, the Xbox buying Bethesda is now done deal. The ink's dry, the contracts have been signed, all that's been taken care of, everything's been approved, and it's now full steam ahead for Xbox and Bethesda. We want to hear your thoughts if Xbox should just go ahead and make Bethesda games exclusive to their platform and PC. We want to hear your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, once again, we got a great episode we've got lined up for you. We've got Oscar nominations coming out. As you hear this on Monday, we're going to speculate on what we think will be there as far as some of the main categories. We'll, we'll talk about some of the movies and performances that we think stand out that are deserving of the Oscar nominations. The opposite of that, the Razzie nominations have already been announced. So we'll talk about the worst of the worst in 2020 coming up here in a little bit as well. On the back end of the show, I know we're going to have a little snippet of a conversation that you had just recently, Josh. Yeah, with John and Jason of Lost Cult Publishing. Like they are creating a gaming journal that their aim is to make it and make them each into collector volumes with in-depth thoughts on PlayStation and Xbox and just a history of gaming. Their goal is to preserve gaming history, and they're hoping to do that through this by writing articles that aren't necessarily bound by the shackles of marketing and and other things, just like niche video game topics that you probably didn't know that you really wanted to know about. And I think that this is a very beautiful product, and I hope that a lot of people pick up a copy or contribute to their Kickstarter. But yes, I have an interview with them. It's hopefully like it'll be something that really gets people interested in because for one, I am interested in it. I am interested in hearing it, too. We're going to play a little smidget of it on the back end of the show. And then for everybody out there that wants to hear the entire conversation that Josh had with John and Jason from Lost Cult Publishing, you can go ahead and hear that on all your podcast outlets on Wednesday. I will drop that episode on Wednesday. That's Josh's interview with John and Jason from Lost Cult Publishing. The entire interview will be available on the Pop Culture Cosmos outlets wherever you get your podcasts. 
We'll also wanted to go ahead and mention before we hit the break that we will be live at PodVCom, a great podcasting conference. It's going to be an awesome time. Indeed. In fact, it's already started now. So if you're listening to us either live or you have to check out our podcast, check out PodVCom with two M's. Just type that in in social media, PodVCom. It's going on all this weekend as we're talking. And then it's going to go on all next weekend. So check out that next weekend as well. We're going to be there March 21st at 3 p.m. Eastern. That's March 21st at 3 p.m. Eastern. Josh, myself, and Marcus De La Garza. Marcus just absolutely loves when we go ahead and we get all together like this. So we're going to go ahead and do that because it's a special time. PodVCom, March 21st. Josh, I think I have a feeling you know what we're going to be talking about on that day because Justice League will have already been out. Yes, sir. And the first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier will have already been released. So I have a feeling you and I are going to be talking about a lot of great things of pop culture at PodVCom next Sunday. Crazy excited. Going to be fun. Always a good time when we get the three of us together. Absolutely. I know he always talks about how he looks forward to it. So we're looking forward to being part of PodVCom next Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern. And you will hear it next Monday and next week as well at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Coming up next, there is a new, old, new, number one all-time movie again. We'll talk about Avatar beating Avengers Endgame right after the break. I'm so sad about that too. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. You've heard others, but nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Hear Imran. So if you offend everyone at once, it all it's a wash. I've covered everybody. Anthony. Sorry, I was texting. Say that again. And Rug Boy. Yeah, whenever there's a snowstorm, my slack hole tightens up. As they talk over one another. Just exactly uh, the same Connor as, Jay, as Tim. Terminator. We're talking over each other. It's fine. Sorry. And ask you for money. Just give us the money. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. It can't be silly, goofy fun. Uh, Jock and Nerd. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford along with my good friend, Mr. Josh Peterson, our own Razzie Award winner, as I said earlier. How do you like the sound of that, my friend? That was good. Right. That was good. Yeah. I would love to have a collection of Razzies, by the way. I would consider it an honor. You know, I need to talk to Adam Sandler because he's been nominated over 30 times. So I think he's got a few in his collection. He may, <laughs> he may let you have one. Or he may have a garage sale, man. Yeah, if he has a garage just, sale, there's probably a few lying out there. You I buy re- I'll, I'll reach out to him. Just let me Adam.Sandler at gmail.com. I'll reach out. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good indeed. But – there's some bad news in the world of film for Marvel fans out there and that the recent overtaking in, what was it, 2019 when, when Avengers Endgame overtook Avatar for the number one spot all time. We had speculated, I believe at that time, Josh, that you know since there was such a close margin for error, or in this case, close margin for recapturing the title, that all Disney had to do was do a re-release for Avatar and it would regain that top spot. And sure enough, to entice moviegoers back into the theaters after a long break for many in China, they have re-released Avatar this past weekend. And with the success of that movie in China, 
in this re-release, it has regained the top spot as the top movie of all time. So I ask you, my friend, first off, got a couple questions on this for you because I want to go in deep with this. Are you happy that the Navi and Avatar are once again number one all time? Do you know like when you're a teenager and you have friends over at your house, but you have like this annoying kid brother that just kind of follows you around everywhere and you can't get rid of them? <laughs> yeah. That's what Avatar is. Like it, this, this movie, <laughs> it's such a crying shame because Marvel is like a legacy of 10 years worth of films and Avatar is one annoying film that people just will not shut up about. When I say annoying, I mean, I... I think it's a visual feast. It's a masterpiece of, of cinematography and CGI, but just let it go. You know, like James Cameron has been talking for years and years about Avatar 2, Avatar 3. Hey, guess what? We just secured funding for Avatar 35. Like the legacy of this film is so weird just because it keeps getting re-released and it people talk about it so much. Like, I don't understand like what makes it a better film than Avengers Endgame. And to me, it's just, it's, it feels like it's cheating. It feels like it's cheating that just because they re-release it somewhere that it overtakes Endgame in cinema. Because like I, if you were to re-release Endgame here in America, like right now, especially as AMC's getting ready to reopen, I'm sure it would it would retake that title. I don't know. I'm annoyed by this. Well, I'm going to say this, my friend. I, I'm not happy with it either. I mean, Avatar, at the time, it was uh, ahead of its time. I did go see it in the theaters. Uh, I know it was an event. Uh, everybody seemed to be interested, especially worldwide. Worldwide, it caught on with an audience worldwide that mm. was just fascinated by it. But then yeah. it dropped off the face of the earth. Mm. And as Rob McCallum told me in an interview like a few years ago, he said Avatar had lost its cultural footprint. And I thought that was probably the best way to describe that as far as yeah. it not resonating. In fact, I, I used to run Halloween stores and you would find Avatar stuff on the clearance rack because nobody would want it. Nobody yeah. would desire it here in the States. Mm. And it seems like it does resonate with a certain audience. And the re-release... For a lot of people in China, they may have not seen it the first time. In fact, there's a lot of people out there on social media who are saying, I've never seen the film. You know, the hundreds of thousands of times it's been on cable stations here, 10 years plus it's been available on DVD and all that. People haven't gone out of their way to see it. It's been something like it was there, it was big, it was huge, and then it dropped off the face of the earth. And it's not right. resonated with an audience since. But mm -hmm. there is an audience for it, apparently. I mean, a lot of people are still fascinated by it. I mean, at the it, time, it was special effects that was really cutting edge. But now it's just something that I think the storyline for me is just something. It's, it's the reason why I never went back, because I thought the story was just somewhat underwhelming. I mean, looking at it now, looking at this reclamation of the throne, is it because it still resonates with people? Or is it because it's the only thing to watch? Like, if you were to take all the animals away from a zoo except for one, of course that enclosure is going to be packed. Like, Do you think that that has anything to do with it? I think there's still a crowd that wants to see it. I think there's a still an audience that it does resonate with. I mean, with for you and I, I mean, we saw it and we're done with it and moved on. It wasn't something that stuck with us. Like, for instance, I'm not wearing an Avatar shirt. I'm wearing a Star Wars shirt. Why is that? Because back in 19... 79 on cbs and then especially you know 1980 back in 1980 when i went to go see empire strikes back i mean i saw that and i was hooked from there on in i saw what the audience was reacting to and i was hooked and i saw 
the magic and splendor of what the Star Wars universe is all about. I mean, right. you can look behind me. I don't have any Avatar stuff behind me. It just hasn't resonated. I mean, when we talk about Avatar in the house, you know what we talk about? We talk about the ride at Disney World. Yeah. That we love more than the movie itself. My daughters have seen the movie and it, the movie's, yeah, it's okay. It's there. It's long. It's It's got a lot of blue in it. It's got a lot of nice colors and special effects, which have now been, at this point, trounced by other films. But it's just something that it doesn't really resonate with a lot of people, but with some it does. And that's enough right now to go ahead and retake the number one spot with the audience in China wanting to go back to the theaters in big numbers. They're going to spike those numbers and it will be tough for a re-release of Avengers Endgame there, or even if it's re-released here, which I, by the way, if you go to at pop culture, Cosmo on Twitter, you will hopefully send the message to Marvel because I put out a tweet already saying re-release Endgame, hoping everybody will get on that bandwagon and help us out because I know you and I really like the fact that Avengers Endgame was a culmination of 10 years of hard work by Marvel to go Mm -hmm. ahead and put this storyline together. I really think it deserves to be the number one movie of all time, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it definitely had a legacy that was worth breaking records whereas avatar is just uh, it it won't go away you know and granted i will probably go see avatar 2 and 3 but like this just does not it's not worthy of its crown yeah i I agree with you and by the way just on your update on what cameron has done as far as avatar 2 and avatar 3 avatar 2 he was quoted as saying in recent news articles that is done 100 percent. yeah and i think three is up to 95 percent done so i mean he's ahead of the game there don't know how much it costs don't think i want to know how much it costs right now but yeah it you know he's got at least two and three virtually done so that's good news for avatar fans out there but i wanted to ask you this i mean obviously both you and i want avengers endgame to regain that spot and hopefully mm-hmm. one day it will uh, i'm hoping that you know there, there will be a re-release that will get fans excited to go ahead and put avengers endgame over the top again but let's say they don't or let's say they do i mean let's say that we have a, a number one whatever whether it's avatar or avengers endgame mm-hmm. the last question i want to go ahead before we hit the break is this will there be another movie that comes along in the current theater climate, in the next five, seven, maybe for the rest of the decade, let's say, that will come along that will fascinate audiences enough that will surpass it. I mean, the the market has changed even so much since Avengers Endgame comes out as far as the importance of streaming. The coronavirus hit. People are reluctant to go back to theaters. And then, you know, even when things get better, Again, it goes back to people, I'll I'll just wait for streaming. I'll wait for it to hit Disney Plus or I'll wait for it to hit HBO Max or I'll wait for it to hit Netflix. You know, you have that type of mentality now that will come out on the other side of this. You started a lot of this conversation way back when, when you thought the marketplace was going to trend towards that. So I want to ask you again, do you see another motion picture? Do you see another movie? Do you see another film that captivates an audience so much that it will reach that level of success as Avatar or even Avengers Endgame that will get in that echelon of films. All right. At uh, the box office per se, at the box yeah, office. Yeah, not not in this climate. I I don't see it happening anytime soon. Uh, I definitely think that it's possible. 
but again, like we're looking at such weird circumstances, like again, Avatar is toppling box office records because it is re-released and it's being re-released because theaters have been shut down. Theaters have been shut down because of COVID. So I just, I don't see a scenario happening again where a movie is able to really top that, at least not something that is localized to theaters. Like maybe if it was some, if they were able to count how many people are streaming this, how many people are going to the theaters to see this, like they're combining those two things like that could be a whole other story in itself. But like, as far as box office numbers goes, I don't see the circumstances existing for a really long time that would allow this to happen again. Well, I certainly hope that there will be something that at least sparks our conversation because you know, when Avengers Endgame came out, I mean, that was the culmination of so much hard work. Like I was saying earlier for Marvel, but yeah. That was a source of conversation for you and I, week in, week out. That was a source of conversation for millions of people out there, week in, week out. How well is it going to do? How good is this movie? How will it lay out the future for superhero films? I mean, so much was writing on Avengers Endgame to be a good film yeah. and to be something that people would go ahead and flock to. And it did that. It met those expectations. I mean, it's rare that a film that goes into it, meets all the hype, and and it did. I think even if you say, okay, it was an okay film or it's running a little bit too long, I know because I know there's always those people out there that that believe that, and, and that's your opinion, and, and obviously if that's the case, no problem. But you got to respect the fact that for a lot of people, it did meet those expectations, and that's a very hard thing for a movie to do. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and again, like me, I – I don't think the circumstances for something like that are going to happen again for a really long time. To your point, like the expectations of films have changed so much because we are, we're in a really like film culture, video game culture. Like it's all become very toxic. You know, everyone has a negative thing to say about this or that. No one actually like respects the process and creativity that it requires to make something like this anymore. So if our culture does not have some kind of drastic shift, I don't see this happening again. I just like, I see little small releases, but nothing quite. Oh, you'll see an event. You'll see an event. Y- film. Yeah. Like the yeah. next, let's say the next Avengers, my friend, but the next Avengers will only because of the current climate that we're in. Let's say it comes out in five years, even in five years down the line with streaming being at the level it will be at because HBO Max just announced that they plan on being by that time, there'll be what 120, 140 million viewers in Disney plus will be over 200 million. Netflix could be over essentially 300 million at that rate as far as users that are out there, especially if they cut their password protection. (laughs) Yes. Has been talked about recently by them and, and tested out. People can't share their passwords anymore. I know a lot of people are bummed about that. But if that's the case, my friend, I think the expectations for a movie like an Avengers or an event movie per se, the expectations might be if it hits $2 billion, that might be the the best thing ever for because it's going to be a much different climate going forward. Right. And again, like the infrastructure is going to look a lot different too, you know, with, with things hitting streaming services at the same time. So yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know. Or that window closing, you know, as far as it used to be like what, six months or remember the old days used to be like nine months before it hit DVD or a a videotape or anything like that. Yeah. Those days are gone. Yeah. 
So there's, I mean, I guess the big factor here is we're waiting to see as AMC reopens its theaters, like, is there going to be a reason to go to the movies? You know, it doesn't matter if the theaters are open or not, if these companies aren't putting anything into them. Black Widow comes out on May the 7th. So, Bob Shapek. So far. Still, so, so far. Yeah. So far, I think it, I think they will stick to the May 7th date. I really think that it's almost too far along to go ahead and say no. Yeah. I think it's going to come out straight to theaters. I don't think there will be a day and date release because of what we've seen from Raya and The Last Dragon. Raya and The Last Dragon got really hurt at the box office, even though it's a very good movie from all the accounts. Cinemark, the third largest U.S. chain, didn't pick up that title because of the fact that it was streaming day and date on Disney Plus with the premiere access and you have to pay an extra 30 bucks for it. Yeah. So if if Disney tries to do something similar with Black Widow, then there's going to be another theater chain that probably does the same thing again and that will hurt it at the box office. So I agree with you my friend, the landscape has changed. As again, you surmised 2 years ago that it was going to do and coming on the other side of, of the coronavirus or coming out of the side of this part of the way we watch and view entertainment, there is probably no longer going to be one film or one movie for a long time yeah. that is going to resonate with an audience unless the worldwide audiences pick up at the slack for the U.S. Because the U.S. audience that's going to the movies is going to decrease what it was over 2018 and 2019. Yeah. The international audience may increase – because they will be more apt to go to the theaters. But as long as the advent of streaming is getting and growing and the push for streaming is there, I really think that it's going to be very difficult for a movie to reach the heights of an Avengers Endgame or Avatar. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's these are such unprecedented times, and it's almost not fair to future films you know exactly what's going on right now but we'll see if normalcy ever becomes a thing again or if this is just the landscape has changed permanently we don't know and we probably won't know for another year maybe two well we'll see what happens my friend but again avatar (laughs) crying on the radio number one again over avengers endgame we're not happy about it so marvel please re-release Avengers Endgame and you will get, I mean, it's growing right now on social media. So hopefully there'll be enough of a social media fervor, just like we saw for the Snyder Cut, that we will hopefully get a re-release of Avengers Endgame. So it will ultimately, or hopefully, so it will hopefully become number one all time once again. What are your thoughts on Avatar regaining its place at number one of the all-time movie list for box office receipts. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, it's our yearly pitch meeting on ideas for IPs we would like to see made into movies or TV series. And after that, we'll talk about who might get nominated for Oscars and also the anti-Oscars, the Razzies. Those nominations were announced. We're going to go ahead and speculate on who might um, win those Razzies Coming up right after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you want to see the coolest action figure collections out there, the stuff that you played with as a kid, hear from industry insiders that made the toys that really truly defined who we are, then you got to check out season one of Action Figure Adventure. And that means right now you've got to go to Big Bad Toy Store 
for the two-disc Blu-ray to check out all 10 episodes. I guarantee if you grew up playing toys, you will love Action Figure Adventure. Wow, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Almost promo-worthy there. But, you know, I already asked you for fresh new promos, but that's beside the point. I knew I was supposed to write something else. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford along with my good friend, Josh Peterson. Josh, I think it's time to go ahead to our corporate building here at Pop Culture Cosmos. It's time to go ahead and get into the corporate boardroom once again. We do this pretty much once a year, if not more sometimes, but we do this at least once a year where we go ahead and get together the corporate suits per se. I'm getting on my corporate suit right now, putting on my tie and all that. It's time we go ahead and sit down and hash things out because it's our pitch meeting time, my friend. So it's time to pitch to you or you pitch to me your ideas on IPs because, you know, Hollywood has such a hard time thinking of some original thoughts out there. So we're going to have to come to grips with that. They love going back in time and taking things from pop culture that have already happened and rehashing it out and bringing out something fresh. A lot of the stuff doesn't come out well for us. Some of it does. But I want to hear your thoughts on some IPs you're thinking of. Go ahead. Pitch it to me, man. Pitch it to me on some IPs you would like to see as a movie or TV series. And you must specify if you want to see it as one or the other. Oh, geez. That's rough. Okay. I'm going to pitch slap you right here. You ready? Um, okay. Pitch slap me indeed. Oh, <laughs> um, I am a firm believer that gears of war should still be made into something like i don't necessarily think a movie and i definitely don't want lynn wiseman touching this movie dave bautista has specifically said and i think he would be awesome at this as a marcus phoenix he would play the role beautifully ah come on damn yeah no he would be great I would like to see it made into a streaming show like i keep thinking about halo like what other video games would be amazing for a streaming platform and i definitely think that gears could be something that could have very beautiful results uh, i am very interested as well my friend that something like that could happen that's a very good idea for starters you're warming me up my friend on it i'm i'm thinking that might be a good idea i might be telling the the assistants here to let's run with that let's run with that so uh call the agents call the agents but that's a pretty good idea, my friend, uh, using Gears of War out there. Any more IPs that are come to mind that you might think might work out as a movie or a television series? Okay, so a while back, I think this was 2010, 2011, a British film company tried to make a Solomon Kane film with James Purefoy. And it never saw an overseas release, but you can watch it now on Netflix the film was not very good, but there is a whole lot of mythology in that character made by Robert E. Howard, who also did Conan the Barbarian, that could serve especially well in our time, especially when religion is being put under a microscope, right? And what does it mean? How does the common man live up to this ideal of what modern people, especially portrayed by the media, believe being religious entails? And I think that that would be a great property for a capable filmmaker to get their hands on. Have you ever read the stories or comic books or any of that stuff revolving around Solomon Kane? Especially with like looking at how good Supernatural did. That's what Solomon Kane is, but he just does it in a different century. That's true, but Supernatural kind of overstated its welcome. Oh yeah, for sure. So I mean, this would have to be like a 
like a 12 episode run, you know, maybe something that hits the old HBO Max. Let me do a twofer for you while we're talking about literature. Okay, th- you're putting us down. You're putting this down. You're slamming your fist right there on the corporate desk. Yes. I take back. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Lovecraft County, it's an amazing show. I've, I've seen the first yes. episode. I'm like, I'm making my way through it. I think that Lovecraft, I, and, and I know that he has been, you know, canceled in modern culture, but I think that At the Mountains of Madness would be an incredible film. I know that Guillermo del Toro was going to do it, and then he said that Prometheus was too close to what At the Mountains of Madness would have been, but I still think that, like, it would be such a cool movie. Like, it has all the makings of just this epic sci-fi piece that could really, like it could be the next alien film, like in terms of like pop culture phenomenons go. Uh, That's pretty good as well. I mean, like you said, Lovecraft County is one of my best shows of last year. It's done very, very well for HBO and HBO Max. I, I highly recommend it as a great series to watch. And there's been a little bit of Lovecraft seeping into certain projects over the past few years as far as the type of look, feel, and stories that emanate from it. I understand that the individual himself and some of his writings are not acceptable and, and yes, part of cancel culture, but I can see that happening. I can see that if you do it right and obviously have the right actors play those roles, uh, I could see something like that being put on the screen if it's done in an acceptable fashion. Yeah. Okay, I got one more for you. Are you ready? This is my oh, last, my last all one. Right, all my right, last all right, one. I'm, I'm straightening up my, my tie. I'm straightening up my tie. Okay. Okay. Right. So we saw Kristen Stewart's performance in Underwater, right? With the it's like aliens underwater. That got me thinking. Would it not be rad? Okay, not in a. I don't think that I. I got no love for like movies right now, so I think everything would be good streaming. Solomon Kane, probably good movie, not streaming. Well, series are something that they want to lean into. The the streaming services are out there. They want series more than movies because series, you know, again, you could, like like we're seeing with Disney, you put that over over six to nine weeks and you've got content for Mm -hmm. all those weeks. Okay. So here's my last pitch for you. Um, Get your pitchfork ready and scoop it up, you know, you're gonna uh, okay, pitch slap me, pitch slap me. Okay, you got that pitch slap coming in. I think that a series, HBO Max series of Dead Space would be just f- fantastic and flabbergasting and frightening. I'm gonna leave that long F in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's I have never played a game like Dead Space in my life. Like I've never played a game that has literally kept me on the edge of my seat, terrified out of my wits, but also like I can't stop playing this because the mythology in this game is so deep and I need to know more, even though these, these fetus blade babies are ter- are running through the air vents and stuff like I need to know more. And so I think that de- a dead space series, a 12 episode. So there's three games, 12 episodes for each season would be, or eight, you know, you could probably go anywhere between eight and 12, a season for each of the games would be, could very well surpass even The Witcher in terms of popularity. I agree with you on that, but I have one question for you. What? If that's the case and you want Dead Space, I mean, there's always something in Dead Space that's very creepy and that's about ready to go ahead around any corner and kill you out there, but what's the one thing that kills Dead Space? EA. EA. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we knew it. It took you a sec, but yes, yeah. EA, EA, yes. EA does definitely kill Dead Space, but again, that's electronic arts so, yeah. for you. But <laughs> the aliens could all be EA executives. Yes, yes, something like that. But I I think that would be a good series as a horror anthology. I think that's something that might work. But again, it, it would be some, maybe something in the in the realm of a Stranger Things type mm. feel. How about something like that? I, I can dig that. There you go. All right. Well, those are some great pitches right there for you. I have got a couple myself. Okay. So we're back in the meeting. Once again, your meeting was a success. Your pitch ideas, we're going ahead and we're going to go and run to series order on, on every one of them. They're excellent. I mean, I just had to say, you know what? We're going to go provide funding for you. We're going to go ahead and contact agents to get stars in there. You can pat yourself on the back, give yourself a corporate lunch. So you're already set on that with all your great pitches right there. Now it's back to my turn the next week for a new pitch meeting. So I'm pitching you as you as the CEO. So get your tie on, my friend. Get that corporate suit going. We're at the next pitch meeting with my thoughts. And I've got two. I've got two for you because you you threw a whole bunch out there that I think a lot of people would enjoy if they ever come to production. I've got a couple in mind. First one, you said the words, do you want to know more during our last conversation? And the words, do you want to know more, are very poignant on my first pitch. So get ready for this pitch slap. Do you want to know more about a possible Starship Troopers series? That's a long, dormant film, a cult film that many people have seen since its first release. I know Paul Verhoeven, the director of Starship Troopers, back in 2016, thought about reviving the Starship Troopers brand. I know there was two made-for-home video movies that were made afterwards and also an animated feature, but I don't think really anybody really they were saw those. bad. They were yeah. so bad. Yeah, they were, they were pretty bad. But I think the IP is ripe for a series to build upon something where the bugs after a successful war, per se, 10, 15 years later, everything is good and groovy now in the universe – humankind is now starting to branch out once again after their victory over the bugs and everything is good but then all of a sudden they're back the bugs come back and they come back with a vengeance taking out another part of the earth last time it was buenos aires you could go ahead and say the bugs devastate another part of the planet and you could build upon that But this time it's going to be a little bit different where the senior officers in place are all who was ever left alive from the original movie from the previous. So Denise Richards, uh, what's his name from I Met My Mother, Uh, Doogie Howser. Oh, yeah. Um, Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris, you know, Johnny Rico himself, Casper Van Dien. I mean, those three will be in it. A lot of people who were left alive from the film, you bring them back as as far as for guest starring or co-starring appearances. But you build a new crew, a new younger crew, and you show two storylines. One storyline of the younger crew and how they build to from, let's say, high school again, going from back to the cheesy high school days that those parts that were really funny to look at and were really mocking those high school shows like 90210 at the time. And you could go ahead and build that into where they go to boot camp once again and and build towards their efforts going into war. But also from a hierarchy standpoint, which wasn't really covered too much in the film, as far as Neil Patrick Harris, Denise Richards, and Casper Van Dien in separate areas of the armed forces doing their thing, but 
being the masterminds and trying to plan out a defense against these bugs. And then you go this time deeper into it about not only visiting more planets, because uh, they didn't visit very, very many planets in the film. You could go out and go to a new location each and every time, or also eventually even have the bugs invade Earth. Yes, I would be on board for that. I like. I've been thinking about this one. I've been thinking. I could tell. I could tell. You got brewing. The only issue with your pitch is that Neil Patrick Harris would not be able to be in this one because he got the brain bug spike right through the center of his head. No, that wasn't Neil Patrick Harris. That That was Patrick Muldown. Neil Patrick Harris was there talking at the end. Watch the movie again, man. All right. Okay. Neil Patrick Harris was part of the top echelon. He was the top government scientist. Mm, okay. uh, but put him in a position of Sky Marshal or maybe a vice Sky Marshal and ha- have him take over Sky Marshal through a failure because you got to have a failure for the human kinds at some point like yeah. they did in the, in the film. So have him take over a Sky Marshal somewhere in the series and have him go ahead and map this out. Plus Denise Richards, she's guiding the Space Force because she's become an admiral in the Space Force per se because, you know, just progression of where she's gone and what she wanted to do because she wanted to become career in the movie. And then Casper Van Dien is the, is the army guy. You could have him leading the armed forces either as still as a part of the Roughnecks, the leader of the Roughnecks, or as someone who's leading the troops overall. So it would be an interesting dynamic to see not only the familiar faces – but also a different storyline that you focus the other half on, and that is a younger crop of Starship Troopers, and you could build their stories from there. Well, I, I think that's a good idea. I, you look at, like, Starship Troopers was a product of, like, really heavy socio-political themes, and I think that Oh, yeah, modern, and it's also cheesy, very yeah, tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, well, it, it was mocking not just politics, but, like, a lot of things in... 80s and 90s culture and i think that there's yeah. a lot to make fun of in modern culture with a cool twist on it so yeah i mean i could definitely see that being a good idea okay so my concern with this would be that hopefully the last two straight to dvd films weren't so atrocious that they would ruin any uh you just retcon it just retcon okay then yes yes, i could definitely get behind this idea because retcon the animated film retcon the two horrible sequels that went straight to dvd because nobody really watched them outside of you yeah okay i am on board for this because i would love to go back to that universe that's a great idea all right thank you thank you i get a raise i get a raise okay gold, gold gold star there you go. I don't know who has the rights to Starship Troopers. Uh, was it TriStar had it before? I don't know who has it right now. I don't know if it's on any streaming outlet or anything like that. I don't know who owns the rights, the streaming rights to it. But yeah, you know, somebody out there, I mean, Starship Troopers, it, it's a match made in heaven for a great series. I think it's something that you could go and make into multiple seasons already. You can develop those characters. You can mm-hmm. develop the situation with the bugs. I mean, it just would provide a lot of great entertainment over let's say two three four five season story arc with maybe seven to nine episodes each and every time out so i think that would be great the last thing i would want to say is a world and a universe that is already built up for you and that's the elder scrolls with the success of the witcher the only thing you don't have is you don't have a title character that is already established as far as an ip is concerned but you have the world there, Cyrodiil, the whole nine yards, just all it's all there for you laid out from Morrowind, of course, Oblivion and, of course, Skyrim. You have that world already laid out for you. I think having or finding a hero, coming up with a good hero or heroes 
per se. I think you could definitely just come up with something that would work for that. I mean, the, the universe is there. It just needs someone to go ahead and steer through it that could navigate through it for a great series. Okay, so do you think that maybe like a POV story like Game of Thrones would be good for something like this? Uh, possibly, yep, possibly. Several. Or again, like like The Witcher. I think emulating it like The Witcher would probably be better because I think if you try to do it more Game of Thrones-y-like, I, I don't know if the political intrigue side of it... I mean, you can. Well, not, you can, you can. Yeah, not saying political stuff. I'm just saying that have a story that takes the point of view of like four or five different characters. Yeah, that that would work. I mean, obviously, you do it as a multiple party thing. I think uh, yeah. having just one t- you know, title hero, like The Witcher, in this case, I'm not sure it would work as well because then people would say it's a ripoff of The Witcher. I think if you had a group or a party, like you were saying, like you like you do in in Elder Scrolls Online, even though that's not the most popular game out there, it's still something you could emulate because the world and the universe is there. All the things you can do and that have been done in the Elder Scrolls games would lead you to go ahead and say, you know what, you could build a universe. There's something there that you can build off of. Yeah, the mythology is definitely rich enough. I would be interested in it. I would be reserved about it because The Witcher is kind of the first time that that fantasy from video games has been done like well. So it would have to be done really well. But I see that there's a ton of potential in an idea like that. And I'd be really excited and hopeful, but I would still be like scared. Well, there you go. Elder Scrolls in developmental hell for 10 years. It may come out of it. It may not. But Starship Troopers for us is a go. So one out of two for me isn't bad. I'll take that. That's a good ratio in Hollywood if that's the case because of all the ideas that get thrown out that never come to fruition. So you know what? I will take that from our pitch meetings. What are your thoughts out there on our latest pitch meetings here at Pop Culture Cosmos? Did you like the IPs? and sources that we took or possible series and or movies out there. And do you have one of your own? Do you have one or two or three IPs out there that you would love to see translated into a series or a movie? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, it is a little bit of a smidgen of an interview that Josh had with John and Jason from Lost Cult Publishing, which you will catch the entire episode of on Wednesday right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. And that's coming up right after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis you know you're not tied to any gaming publishers so like you don't have those marketing shackles around your wrist you can kind of just take chances um, and do what you want we said in the beginning we're not going to feature any game that's Mm non-preservable like outright so it doesn't matter any publisher that comes to me and says will you you know talk about our mobile game no we won't not if that game is not preservable and in the future generations are unable to play it or it's inaccessible so we won't talk about those type of games at all. So you know, stick it to our morals of that one. Yeah, and, and and I'll be honest. Like I got a Kickstarter email for Lock On drop into my email box, and like I instantly got goosebumps reading about it because like this is like the holy grail of gaming journalism right here. 
there are so many voices that get lost in the midst of like Sony versus PlayStation. This game's good. Yep. That game's good. Like yeah, let's market yeah. to Ubisoft. Let's market EA. Like all these like corporate interests that you just you don't hear the more like humanizing aspects of gaming. You know, we're going to be covering a lot of gaming history. You know, for example, in the, the first volume of Lock On, we're going to be doing a, a big retrospective on the PS1 with contributions from, you know, John Linneman of Digital Foundry, Ryan Mystic, My Life in Gaming, and also Adam Kovalik, who's going to be writing about his unique perspective on the Nintendo PlayStation prototype. So, we're going to be covering some very obscure facets of the PlayStation 1 history. And once again, that's Josh Peterson, his interview with Josh and Jason from Lost Cold Publishing. Go ahead and check that out on Wednesday right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, wherever you get your podcasts. Well, my friend, two quick things before we head on out. The first is Oscar nominations will be announced by the time you hear this. Okay, if there's any one or two individuals, movies, categories, any performances per se that you want to see nominated for an Oscar and ultimately win, because we'll have our Oscar prediction show later on, you know, as it gets closer to the Oscars. But I want to hear your thoughts on if there's one or two performances or movies out there that you feel should be nominated, what would that be? There's very little that like was of note from last year. You know, I'm looking at my uh, my movie list here. And like, I'm not seeing a lot. Like I obviously was a huge fan of class action park. Like, I don't know. Is there a documentary? I believe there is a documentary. Okay. So yeah, I, I would love to see that get a nomination. Yes. That was our number one movie of last year. So absolutely. Outside of that, like there was really nothing that like I would care to like say, you know, I think onward was pretty good. But outside that, like, uh, there's not really anything that, like, really stuck out as having excellent performances. I think Soul is worthy of a nomination for Best Animated Picture. I think we went back and forth on that. You liked Onward a little bit more than Soul. I like Soul a little bit more than Onward. I think Maria Bakalova from Borat 2 not only should be nominated, but should win for Best Supporting Actress. Maybe even Best Actress. I don't. It doesn't matter to me. Best Actress or Best Supporting Actress. Either one, I think she should be nominated, and I think she should win. I also think that Oscar should pay tribute to not only one, but both great performances for the late Chadwick Boseman, for Defy Bloods, and of course, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I think both of those films deserve praise, and might want to see both those on the best film list. Hopefully we will. I know Nomadland is probably right now here in Vegas the top odds maker as far as best film overall, so I know that will have a lot of nominations, but I think he's going to have at least one, possibly two nominations coming up. So we'll see what happens as the Oscar nominations come out. We will go ahead and put a post on our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page. Look for it. That will have a listing of all the nominations for the Oscars. So look out for it on Monday as you hear this. In fact, you could probably look at it while you're listening to us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But we want to hear your thoughts, who you want to see nominated for an Oscar, what pictures, what films, what actors, what directors, any artist, as far as it's concerned, that had something that they put out last year that you want to see nominated, we want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. My friend, it's been a great episode, but before we head on out, the anti-Oscars, as you had mentioned, the Razzie nominations, those were already announced in advance of the Oscars, as they always do, and they will also 
the weekend of the Oscars, you know, I think the day before is when they announced who won these, oh, excuse me, who won, and I put that in quotations there, the Razzies. That comes out the day before the Oscars. I want to list to you the Razzie nominees as of right now in some of the major categories. Worst Picture, 365 Days, Absolute Proof, Doolittle, Fantasy Island, and Music. Worst Actor, Robert Downey Jr. for Doolittle. Mike Lindell, the My Pillow Guy for Absolute Proof. Michelle Marone, 365 Days. Adam Sandler for Hubie Halloween. David Spade for The Wrong Missy. Worst Actress, Anne Hathaway, The Last Thing He Wanted, and Ronald Dahl's The Witches. Katie Holmes, Brahms, The Boy 2, and The Secret, Dare to Dream. I just don't think they like Katie Holmes for some reason. But Yeah, you know. seems to be a common theme. Yeah, she seems to be there a lot. Kate Hudson for Music. Lauren Lapkus, The Wrong Missy, Anna Maria Cycluca for 365 Days. And then it goes on from there. But yeah, the one I like the best also as well is Worst Screen Combo. They get creative with this. So Maria Bakalova and Rudy Giuliani for subsequent movie film. Robert Downey Jr. and his utterly unconvincing Welsh accent in Doolittle. <laughs> Wonder what they think about him and Sherlock Holmes. Harrison Ford and that totally fake-looking CGI dog in Call of the Wild. <laughs> Lauren Lapkus and David Spade, The Wrong Missy, and Adam Sandler and his grating simpleton voice in Yubi Halloween. Yeah, Adam Sandler has been nominated for Razzies, if you can call nominated a thing, over 30 times. I guess he has fun with it, but sometimes it's well-deserved. I mean, he puts that stuff out there. It gets a lot of views, and obviously that's the most important thing because Netflix absolutely loves the stuff that he puts out. But for every great performance that he has, he has to go through like three or four of these that are just just awful, man. They're just awful, but people love them. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to respect him because he makes the films that he wants to make. Like, he could give no cares about any of the... uh, things going on in hollywood the man makes what he wants to make i mean adam sandler does have great performances in him i mean people don't think he's a good actor they see that he gets razzies every each and every year and he puts out the stuff and he voted like and but every now and then he shows you he shows you how good of an actor he is with uncut gems that came out in 2019 that was a brilliant performance an absolutely brilliant performance that was captivating and was deserving of an oscar nomination Wonder Woman 1984, it's also listed under Worst Remake, Ripoff, or Sequel. My money's on Doolittle, though. I really think Doolittle's my favorite to win a lot of Razzies. Yeah. That and Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani. Sorry. Yeah. No, you're good, Doolittle. I mean, that's such a shame that that's Robert Downey Jr.'s like first thing outside of Avengers. That's a cash grab, man. That's nothing yeah. but a cash grab. Oh, for grab. sure. Yeah. Well, what are your thoughts out there on the Razzies and who was nominated for this year's Razzies nominations list? We'll actually have a post on that as well to go ahead and catch you up on who was the worst of the worst with the Razzies this year. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you enough, as always, for being part of it. Stay tuned next week because next week on the 21st at 3 p.m. Eastern, we'll be live from PodVCom, a great podcasting convention. Myself, Josh and Marcus will be here talking about Justice League. We'll be talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. 
That'd be awesome. We'll have those conversations. We'll actually go into spoilers then. So if you haven't seen it by then, please check it out on our Sunday taping or next Monday when we air it on the Pop Culture Cosmos. We will go into spoilers on both Justice League and the first episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Coming up this Friday, I'm going to have a special guest host coming on because Marcus is going to be off this week celebrating his birthday. So big shout out to Marcus. But we will be talking early thoughts on the Justice League and also as well previewing the Falcon and Winter Soldier. But my friend, it's been an awesome episode once again. Any last thoughts on the way out? I don't think so. We covered quite a bit of things today. Do want to thank everybody who is watching us on Twitch. Cannot thank you enough for doing so, for spending time on our revamped Pop Culture Cosmos channel. Please check out all the awesome RPG games that we play each and every week on Twitch at Pop Culture Cosmos, YouTube at Pop Culture Cosmos, and of course on Facebook at Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself Oh, great. Damn. Howdy. Listen up. I am talking. Now, the question of the hour is, who's got a Doctor Who podcast? Answer. We do. Next question. Who's listening to it? Answer. You are. If you're sitting up there in your silly little spaceship and you've got any plans to listen to a Doctor Who podcast, just remember who's standing in your way. And then, do the smart thing. Listen to Earth Station Who right here on the ESO Network. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.